Hey there, and welcome to the Heart of a Mill Spouse podcast, where we focus on re-sparking your inner purpose using empowered action and personal growth tools. I'm Jayla Ray Ardeline, your host and late career Army Mill Spouse. I joined this lifestyle later in life and the learning curve was gigantic. Since the day I said yes to this relationship over five years ago, I've been collecting and curating personal growth tools to support you. So excited you've tuned in. Okay, so this episode is unlike any episode I've ever recorded because, first of all, it was incredibly impromptu and unplanned. Uh, I'm about to drop you into the middle of a conversation, really, that my husband and I began to have one night in January over quite a few Negronis and feeling really uh, introspective and challenged by our future in military life and how we're going to continue if we choose to stay in and what retirement looks like and just trying to figure out where we're at with all of that. So I want you to know that by the time this episode goes live, it's, um, let's see, it's going to be at the end of February. So it's been about a month and a half since this conversation happened. And since it happened, there have been no decisions regarding retirement. We're just in that limbo period of figuring things out. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to bring this conversation to the podcast to begin with, because I think it could be really, hopefully really useful and have a lot of resonance with some of you who may be having this conversation as well. And it basically started as we were sitting on the couch and, you know, just chilling listening to music on YouTube. And then Jeremy suggested at one point, wow, maybe we should like be recording this just for like posterity's sake. And of course, my next question was, I think for posterity is a good enough reason. And also, would you be open to putting this on the podcast? So after I have done a rigorous editing process, (laughs) it's available and it's here on the podcast. Um, But that also means that there's quite a bit of heavy edits throughout the conversation, and there's a few points at which we jump around, and that's because there was a lot of dead air and transitional space and and those kinds of things in the conversation. I never actually pulled out my actual podcast mic. Uh, It was just recording on my phone. So um, hopefully the sound is adequate and enjoy. Yes, for the past few months, this conversation has definitely been more intense and ramped up. However, I would say that since I met you seven years ago, this has always been a conversation of ours at some point or another. What would you call, what would you say the conversation is? The conversation usually starts with, what do I want to be when I grow up? (laughs) It does. Because I'm almost... Almost, I'm, I'm looking at 40 and I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. Okay, but my point is even seven years ago. Even back then I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. Because you were already grown up. No, nah, that's debatable. Well. <laughs> we're getting off track though now. Okay. So I think the bottom line is starting to, well, have been asking for some time, but starting to more seriously ask the question of 
where is the off-ramp for us when it comes to military life and oh, there's some squealing puppies outside. Oh my gosh, well last night it was our dogs. Yeah, last night it was our dogs. Tonight so... sounds like coyotes or something. <laughs> the coyotes have run. Um, but just in the last couple of months, it seems like that discussion has been revitalized and has kind of taken more of a center stage in terms of us asking each other, where is the off-ramp when for, for our life in the military? And obviously a more relevant question now that we're approaching the time frame at which I would be eligible to drop my paperwork for retirement. Uh, you know, I think we're, what, four months out from when I could start, theoretically starting that process. And... I mean, I think it's important to say that it is theoretical. Yeah, no, our, our, we have not made up our minds in any way, shape, or form. No. And we are currently in a great assignment. You know, with the kids. With the and, potential to extend in this yeah. current assignment, meaning no more PCSing. Yeah, we've, we've, you know, all the stars aligned to this last rotation in, in every sense of the word, and we're certainly aware and grateful of that. Um, aware of and grateful for that. You sound like you're saying a prayer. <laughs> <laughs> you do. You sound like your dad for a second. Did you hear it? All right, I'm just going to try to go back into the note I was in before hit record on this because I thought I actually sounded somewhat authentic and put together and well thought out and somewhat maybe even intelligent. But it's so. going to be hard to return to that because now that we've hit the record button, it changes. Yeah, I'm going to move this. You can't. Device to no. Right in front of me because then that freaks me out. No, but, okay, but you have to talk louder. Turn it over, turn it upside down, maybe. No. So I'm not, no. It's right here. Okay. It's getting all the action right here. All right, well, I'm gonna start this music over. Well. And then just let me rant, just let me go for a little bit. Okay, is this a conversation or is this just you ranting? Let me rant for a bit. Okay. So for me, it's, uh, for a while now, I've kind of gone back and forth. On the one hand, realizing the very practical aspects of staying in longer, better retirement, potentially not having to work a second career. Um, that balance with the fact that I think I maybe want to work a second career and that there's another part of me that isn't feeling fulfilled right now. And I say that with the full realization that as you're well aware of, my personality type is such that I, and I think the best way to describe it is that I feel the need to have a life mission, not just a job, but a mission of sorts, um, which is why the military is in many ways a great fit, um, just having that 
Because it's built in. Yeah, I mean, it's not just a job. It's not just a career. It's, a, it's, a, it's I would say that most people, or a lot of people, I would say, yeah, I would say that most people in life struggle with what's, what's the purpose of their life. They get to a point in their life when it's not just putting food on the table. And they start to ask those questions, but, you know, as, as long as I've been in this career field and, you know, in the military, I haven't had that, that problem. And that's probably a whole other discussion right there that could be had about what, you know, the nature of that and, and that desire for a mission or need for a mission. And that's probably a personality element to it. There's probably a uh, religious upbringing element to it. There's lots of layers here that could be explored, but the point is that's, that's how I feel. So I've always known and I've, I've said from a young age that I wouldn't be happy, um, you know, the, the, you know selling, selling razor blades or managing a big box store or, you know, uh, working at a convenience store or, or any, anything, you know, where it's a job. It, it, to me, it's got to be more. It's got to be a mission. And... Increasingly, as I've gotten older and, and progressed, I've felt more and more like there's an element that's not being you know, satisfied. There's more, there's more of an element of there's a creative aspect of I've known for a while now that a part of my identity is that I want to be or see myself as a storyteller, you know, to use kind of an archetype, you know, the the person who ensures that wisdom is passed from generation to generation. Is that what you think of as storytelling? I don't know when I first realized that this was something that I felt passionate about. I think it was... Definitely after you married me. Definitely. (laughs) No, I I think... um, I think there's a couple elements here. I, I think there's a desire to educate, and you know, I come from, you know, my my dad was a you know a teacher and then a professor, and so I think that's in some ways in my blood or ingrained in, ingrained in me or whatever. But I've always felt an immense amount of satisfaction in investing in and teaching and developing and counseling others to become better versions of themselves. But there's also this idea that after a career in the military and, and coming to coming up on 18 years now, uh, with a lot of that time spent uh, deployed or you know in combat zones and in uh, certain situations, just the idea that not only do I receive an innate kind of reward or feel positive about my mission being one of somebody who educates and develops and helps others and passes wisdom or knowledge along, but also the fact that now I feel like I have something to say at this point in my life. Yeah. So those two things, those two elements have kind of collided in a sense and have come together. And 
I feel like I have a lot of things that I want to say, a lot of things that I do, a lot of things that I see, and I think, um, you know, one of the things that I mentioned was after spending almost two decades, uh, you know, the best years of my life, so to speak, uh, having taken an oath and, and acting and, you know, being separated from your family to, you know, defend our nation. I see things in our nation now that, frankly, put it at risk. It's very survival at risk. And so those are some of the things that I feel passionate about now um, in terms of being a storyteller, being uh, somebody who calls attention to these things. But so, is it... That's your phone. That's my phone. <laughs> it's okay. It's not important. Or, I mean, it's not an emergency. Okay. Um, and I don't feel like I'm saying any of this nearly as well as I was before. Can I say what, what you had said before we started recording? All right, let me sink into it. And then we need another Negroni. Yeah. I mean, the music was swelling at the moment that you said this, and that's why it felt kind of like a sermon. You said, you know, the very nation that I spent the better years of my life defending and protecting, and you didn't use this word, but I'll use this word now, sustaining, feel at risk based on where our nation stands now. And you had said that under the context of storytelling and how you would use your perspective after retirement, essentially, and figuring out how best to make that point. Yeah, what the tool is. Yeah, what the tool is. What the mechanism. And, and you have a lot of different ideas about which mechanism to choose. And yeah. I've continued to challenge you that it doesn't just have to be one and that you don't have to start large. You can start very small and work up to bigger things. But, you know, when you're talking about writing a book on this topic and it's coming from this perspective yeah. that you hold. Yeah, no, That's I, an important contextual piece that any reader would need to understand about the author. I think. Because I think that's what makes it. I don't think I'd said that to you before. Yeah. And when we say the best years of your life, just for even further context, we're talking about Afghanistan and we're talking about Iraq. Yeah, and I mean, the fact that I went to college at 17, 9-11 happened. I, you know, commissioned four years later and 
here we are today, and I've you know been in uniform ever since. So I mean, it's and I was in seventh grade during that. <laughs> We're six years apart, <laughs> which yeah. I've always felt is not a big age gap, but just enough to where entire lives could be led completely differently. Yeah. And that's been proven because you were married and had children before I ever even yeah. thought about doing that or considered that I was ready for those kinds of things. Yeah, no, I think you summarized some of what I said earlier quite well. And so just kind of, I guess the, the, the overarching sense that I have been dealing with is feeling like maybe the time is approaching, maybe the exit ramp from this career, the off ramp is coming up sooner rather than later and feeling pressure and, and a bit of a panic almost to say, what am I doing next? What do I want to be when I grow up? How do I tell, how do I make, how do I stay true to this aspect of me, this part of me that, that needs to have a mission and not just a job? And that gets after some of these things that are currently lacking of me feeling like I have a story to tell and a lesson to teach uh, or a concern to raise based on these things, uh, these feelings, and this, this, frankly, this fear that I have over the future that, of our country and the direction that we're headed in, and the, just just the divisiveness of everything, and the, the hatred and the vitriol that you know makes it impossible for us to have a conversation with mm -hmm. someone that we disagree with, um, which we experience too. Yeah. I mean, we're not saying we're above that. It's just become a lot more concrete in the past few years. Yeah? Yeah, and, and just... You know, and, and kind of wrapped up in all this was this idea too, that, you know, this feeling that I've shared with you that there have been a couple times in my career where I've um, dealt with some sort of fatigue or burnout. Um, you know, my first time, my first 15 month tour in Iraq as a platoon leader, just experiencing compassion fatigue and dealing with these um, extreme situations day in, day out, and, and meeting some of the you know, some of the Iraqi population, wonderful human beings who were under a tremendous amount of suffering and needed needed help that in many cases was not too much for me to provide um, but just the constantness of it and that juxtaposed against the fact that you know 
on any given day, my focus was on making sure that, you know, the men I was leading would, you know, come home in one piece. And the fact that not all of them did. And just, I guess, the, the contrast there and, and these two kind of clashing. Well, and what you had said before was that you had a notebook full of promises that you made yeah. to other people that you were yeah. not able to fulfill or cross off because of compassion fatigue. Yeah, I mean, every day, you know, I mean, was, you know it's, it's one thing to, the first step is to win the, the trust and confidence of the people that you're there to, to, to help keep safe in this type of situation and help protect. And, but then that's just the first part. Once they are confident in your goodwill and your ability to, to keep them safe from, from threats, then the next thing is they're going to ask for things. They're going to ask for help because, you know, once their immediate needs of security are, are, are met, they, they have multiple others and just... You don't need to defend it, babe. Oh, no, I just, I, I just, I think this may be a bit of a foreign concept to many people. It was the idea that as a, how old was I, 22, maybe? Not you even. were, like, barely an adult. Maybe 22, 23 years old, being basically the the police, the mayor, the utility company, the you know labor department, the you know all of the services, all you know representing the government essentially to a population of you know several thousand people, having no idea how to how to do this and yeah, and just being constantly. What's up, bud? <laughs> Keep going. Just being constantly hammered with demands of, yeah. hey, I need help from this, and hey, you just you got to the point where you can't even keep track of it anymore. You made so many promises and so many different people, and not promises, but in some cases, promises, I guess. What's one level down from promises? Commitments. Yeah. To try. You know, I'm not. You know, I didn't usually you know, try to avoid promising any kind of result, but yeah. At least committing. Hey, I'll I'll do what I can. But you just get to the point where you feel out. I mean, I had to write them all down in a notebook, and literally just got to the point where I, you know, pages and pages and pages of these commitments that I had made to people. And how old are you now? Now? Yeah. Uh, 39. Do you remember what you wrote in those pages? Oh, yeah, it was any number of things. It was. Oh, uh, I mean, the common was, was, you know, US, US forces arrested my, you know, insert type of family member here cousin, brother, sister, father. You stop enunciating when you're nervous. I don't know, I was nervous. Yeah, you are. Yeah. Well. Or at least acutely aware that this is not a private conversation anymore. No, maybe you should just let me rant for a little bit again. 
I know I said I wasn't going to make it a conversation, but like the writer part of me is like, is this an interview now? Because it kind of feels like one. I don't do well with interviews. I turn into interview Jeremy. You're kind of starting to turn into interview Jeremy. So maybe they'll ask questions right now. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> Should I just walk away? Make us another drink? Yeah, that actually would be great. I okay. can use another drink. Bye. Bye. Wonder Granny's, please. <laughs> I'm going to listen to music for a little bit. What are we talking about? Compassion fatigue? Yeah. Which everyone can relate to, by the way, but not everyone can relate to a soldier's level of compassion fatigue. Yeah, and I mean, this particular situation was one that lent itself well to that. I think what I told you previously was like, I didn't have a word for it back then. I didn't have a term for it. I didn't know what compassion fatigue was, but several years later while going through a train up to go to Afghanistan, I was watching a training video where they interviewed this uh, this guy and he was talking about his experiences in Afghanistan and he was he used that word compassion fatigue and as soon as he did, as soon as he used that term, I was like, Yes, I know exactly what he's talking about. This, I, I, I care, but I have nothing left to give. I understand your pain, but I can't have any kind of empathy, and I can't do anything about it, even though I want to. Well, it's the body's, sorry. <laughs> I have gold shit to say too, you know. I know, but as soon as I feel like it's an interview, I. I'm not my authentic self. I don't know. Okay. It's harder for me to... I know. So... What was the point of that? Well, the point was that that was to say that... And I went through a bit of just kind of regular old burnout when I was in, I think, grad school. And I went and saw a doctor about it at one point. Adrenal fatigue. Yeah. Burnout. The best she could do, and we were living in New York at the time, the best she could do was offer to prescribe me weed. And I, Wait, didn't we see the same doctor? I think we might have. We I did, saw, didn't we? I had to tell. I was like, I, unfortunately, my employer may not appreciate that. <laughs> that was, I think that was the one and only medical experience we had in common. I forgot about that. <laughs> She's like, well, you want a marijuana prescription? And I said, oh, nah, sorry. It's not going to work for my employer but uh yeah um that's kind of the but, but I mean I, I bring up that because what I'm feeling and experiencing now is in some ways a continuation or a similar sense of compassion fatigue or career fatigue is that a thing I mean, I don't absolutely know. yeah let's coin it career fatigue I, I mean I'm sure people have written about career fatigue yeah it's gotta be a term but it's a it's a particular brand of fatigue 
that then bleeds into other areas it's, of your life. It's a sense of it, it's a sense of all of it that I've ex- all the various fatigues I guess that I've experienced. <laughs> On the one hand, this idea that like I understand that what I'm doing is still a mission and it's still significant and it's still but in some ways the tedious of it and the fact that I have to continue to basically follow through on and prioritize what somebody else decides is important even at times when I disagree and don't think it's important which is not unique to the military of course but no but sometimes yours is a life or death circumstance of course i mean you can get very passionate at times about your reasons for not prioritizing or for not wanting to prioritize what your leadership tells you you should be prioritizing and focused on but maybe it's this is a sort of elevated form of midlife crisis but but that's kind of where i'm at and that's where i'm at lately and it's a combination of like this fatigue with this realization that these other dimensions of me as a human being that i see this this idea that i'm exhausted i'm emotionally drained i've sacrificed a lot and that i, I don't like even saying that out loud because i understand that there are I guess maybe this is a specific to the military, but a sense of guilt in acknowledging your own sacrifice because it feels like a privilege to acknowledge your sacrifice when there are those who aren't left here to do that anymore, who have given the ultimate sacrifice or sacrificed more than you have, and it always feels inappropriate to look at the situation and say, hey, uh, you know, I've been divorced twice, I've had difficulties in my relationship with my kids and and other things stemming directly from the fact that I was gone a lot stemming directly from the fact that I had a mission to do but this this sort of fatigue compounded with the fact that there's aspects of who I am and, and who I want to be that you know that aren't being fulfilled currently in this career field and, and so there's a there's a bit of a grass is greener kind of mentality right now where I feel like and, and, I, and I say this fully knowing that there will be things if I choose if we choose that it's time for me to go and get out there will be things about this lifestyle that I will absolutely miss and that will tear at me but at the same point in time I'm increasingly of the mindset and feeling like I don't want to make the decision to stay in based disproportionately on the fear of miss on the fear that somehow life on the other side won't be as good as as I think it will be that, that maybe maybe I won't succeed well I mean fuck it you've got to try you've got to you know part of what gives me fulfillment is investing my time and energy in something that I believe strongly in and, and going all out and you know if it doesn't work it doesn't work but I'm gonna I'm gonna do it I'm gonna do my best at it I don't know 
I feel like I've kind of hit a dead end here. You have brilliant shit to say, so you should say it. I, well, it's not brilliant, but I mean, I think what you're saying about how you view your career and your mission is relatable to a lot of people who don't have the experience of military life because of our American upbringing. However, (laughs) the way you talk about this is so Enneagram 3, and I would be remiss to not recognize that. Because one of the challenges that I bring to you often when you start a conversation by saying what do I want to be when I grow up and you're not asking it seriously you're like mostly joking but it's also your way of starting a serious conversation and I say more or less in different ways I've said it in different ways (laughs) that it's not about what you're going to be it's about what you're going to do And the reason I say that is because you enmesh and intertwine and cannot unravel the mission with who you are. Yes. Because those two things are conflated as equal. 100%. That is not the experience of every human. It's a common one in the military because you are literally conditioned to do so. And that is one of the reasons why type threes excel in the military. But I see the struggles and challenges of that on the other end. And I don't want you to leave and transition out and continue and repeat that cycle. I I think you see it as more of an unhealthy thing, but I see it as more of a... I, I think I would be more unhealthy if I didn't have a mission. And I think I would... I mean, I agree, but who you are as a person and a mission that you are serving and fulfilling are two different things. I think that we will fundamentally disagree on that for the rest of our lives. (laughs) Okay. Because to me, the very idea of getting out of the military and not having something that I am devoted to with, you know, obsessed with in in a way and, and devoted to and a purpose that drives me it's perhaps the most frightening thing I can think of I understand and I I want you to do that it's not that I don't want you to do that but we're having a very idealistic conversation the reality of you pinning your self-worth upon a mission and your output and what it is that you can do for a particular person or organization or for the world 
is noble in an idealistic reality. The negative aspect of that is you overworking, not understanding when to set boundaries, not understanding when to tell people no and that that's okay that you can tell people no, and over-serving to the point where people stop recognizing how much you've done for them because that's just what you always do and the bar is too high. Yeah, so I agree and disagree. And I think... Ooh, it's a debate now. It's a debate. <laughs> you have two minutes to make your point. And then the oh, I don't, do, I don't do well with time limits. I sucked at debate. Uh, I think I kind of agree with your characterization of it. And I, I think before we hit record, I essentially said the same thing. You just kind of expressed a fear of like, am I doomed to live a life where on the one hand, I am constantly feeling burnt out and exhausted and like I'm giving too much. And on the other hand, you know, on the other extreme, you know, if, if, I, if I don't do that, then I'm constantly feeling like I'm inadequate and I'm not, I don't have a purpose and I don't have a mission and, I, and you know, what I'm doing isn't worthy of, of I don't know. It, it's, it's essentially, I think, I think we just said the same thing in two different ways in, in some ways. But, but you're, we did say it in two different ways. But you're, <laughs> you're upholding the idealistic version of what we're saying instead of recognizing all of the negative aspects of it. Yes and no. Because what I also said was, I, I've come to the realization, that, which is what you've told me for years, which is that you need to be your own boss. I have said this for years. He I needs think... to be an entrepreneur. And I think being in an environment and in a situation where I get to decide, I, I find the mission, I find a mission, whatever it is, but I get to decide within that what tasks are priorities and what things need to be done and what is actually not important. I think that is the difference because I'm no longer giving to individuals or other people. It's, it's no, I'm giving to the mission and in the purest form of it. And I think that there's a way to find balance there because I am no longer burning myself out on tasks that someone else thinks are important. For you know or not. But I know they're not, and I know they make they're busy zero work. difference. They're busy work. They're, they're just mindless, mind-numbing tasks and drills that don't actually advance the mission or get after the thing that I feel committed to and passionate about. And that is the thing that I think that burns me out and that causes me to hit this, these walls. And... <laughs> When you go into business for yourself, because I know this is going to happen. I don't know what it is that you're going to be doing. I don't know what it is that you're going to be achieving. I don't actually know what the mission is. When you go into business for yourself, you will still need to be weary of that process. 
because when it's all up to you, when it's all up to you, it is still difficult to prioritize and to understand what needs to be tackled right then, right there in order to achieve the goal. Especially when you don't have a team following you and supporting you and picking up the slack and working on different priorities. When it's just you and it's solopreneur status, it's so much more difficult than people realize until they're in it. Yeah, I don't... I know you know that. I'm not saying you don't know that. I just... You're going to run into the same issue of overworking yourself, relying on productivity, and marking your day and your impact by how much you were able to get done instead of seeing that you, the human being, the authentic self, the person behind the mission is worth way more than the task and the task list. It's gonna happen. I don't think that it's just the three in you that's prone to that. I think that it's just a cultural conditioning that makes us prone to that. I still struggle with that. It's something that has to be evaluated and broken down. Okay, y'all, please forgive the brief interruption, but I just wanna let you know that I have sliced and diced about a 10 minute portion of our conversation away for the purpose of this episode. Um, It was mostly because my husband was really uncomfortable with our confrontational styles during that conversation. And after I listened to it a few times, I agree. It doesn't necessarily need to be appearing on a podcast. But for the sake of transparency, I just wanted to let you know that it was here. And the next part of this conversation feels a little bit choppy because we are jumping from thing to thing. Thanks, y'all. How do you see yourself? Because even after this entire conversation, I don't know that you've actually shared how, like the image of you, like if you could boil it down to a few words, a few descriptions, what would it be? And don't give me the humble version or the version that you think other people would deem acceptable. I have lived my life with the mindset that the mission, whatever the mission might have been at that point in time, was the most important thing. I have sacrificed a lot in terms of personally and and my relationships to include my relationships with my children for that ideal. I've reached a point in my life where I can have a bit of hindsight, a bit of retrospect, and where I can make more informed decisions about how I spend my time and energy going forward. I don't regret 
the decisions or the causes that I've committed myself to. And I understand that I will continue to find a cause. Even if, as I mentioned, the causes, I have retired completely from the, the workforce and my biggest satisfaction and joy and mission in life is to be the best husband, father, and grandparent that I can be. That could be a mission. But why isn't that the mission now? Because right now, as I've stated, there's a side of me that is creative, that has a story to tell, that has wisdom. I hate using that word, but some lessons to pass along or that I feel like it need to be passed on. And that is an itch that hasn't been scratched. And right now I feel like that is the mission. While still also focusing on those other things. I don't think they're mutually exclusive. Well, no, but I know what it feels like for you to overwork yourself in one area and the other one is at cost. And it's usually the relationship. So what are you trying to say? That I will always be a relationships-focused person. And so we will always fundamentally disagree. <laughs> and type one is definitely in your tri-type. <laughs> okay. I don't think this is turning out as brilliant as it was before it was recorded. What? It's all about our feelings and emotions now. What? <laughs> and that's bad? Yeah, it's awful. Why is that so <laughs> awful? I didn't know that Granny answer. Oh my God! Really? You could you could use more of just expressing an emotion. Yes, I could. No. <laughs> Watching the Hostiles soundtrack on YouTube right now. Let me just listen to Hostiles and talk about the meaning of life. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to need to edit the shit out of this, by the way. If you ever turn it into a podcast, which I don't know if I'll agree to or not yet. I don't know how I feel about how this has gone. I may have some beef. Okay, but you have to drop what you wanted it to be, and you have to just accept what is. It was great before we hit record. No. And it turned into an interview. No. So everything that you shared in this conversation, you don't think is true? No, I just, it's not that. I don't know that I said things as clearly or authentically. Articulately. Or articulately as I did when the camera was not turned on. Well, it's not a camera. It's a voice. You know what I mean. There's no camera recording. Maybe that I'm is saying... the nature of humans. As soon as you hit record, we freeze up. We freeze. And we're like, oh God, I feel like an idiot now. And then the veil goes up, and the honesty lessens. I'm not saying it's not still there. It lessens the authenticity, 
lessens. The vulnerability lessens. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the vulnerability. I feel like you were incredibly vulnerable just now. I Especially for all these people who are going to hear this episode. No, they're not. There's we're not. Gonna edit it out. There's going to be nothing left. It's going to be a soundbite of me saying, hello, I'm a <laughs> military husband. Uh, Type three is great. <laughs> Myers-Briggs as well. Here's what it's like for a three and a four to I be married. I need a focus. A mission of I need a purple. mission. I am a robot. You weren't a robot. You weren't. You were really honest. Thank you. Does this mean more Negronis are coming because they promote honesty? <laughs> yes. We need to start the recording earlier next time. Without you knowing? Without me knowing. And then Do you give off. me permission to start it Only without you I knowing? if I can review whatever it is that you release. Well, of course. I would never, like, put something out there that you said that you didn't approve. Because I say some crazy shit. Oh, yeah, you say some really wild shit. Some really shit. edgy shit. Oh, my God. If anything, you're, like, the inner monologue of many soldiers. <laughs> All right, y'all. Thank you so much for tuning into our conversation about potentially retiring from the military and the meaning of life. Um, Hopefully you enjoyed it. We both would love to hear feedback on this episode if this conversation uh, resonated with you in some way because you've had similar conversations about retirement. uh, You're facing that soon. Making these kinds of decisions feels really complicated and like a lot I'm right there with you uh so I'd love to hear any feedback from you on Instagram at mill.spouse send me a dm even if we've never spoken before if you have been a fan of the podcast for a while let me know what you thought about this style of episode where it was a little more impromptu I'd love to get my service member on here as much as possible and I'm still shocked that he agreed (laughs) to let me put this out into the world. And as usual, please follow the podcast, rate and review so that we can get it into the hands of those who truly need it. Thanks, y'all. Bye.